Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. This week's episode is brought to you by KillerDoc.com. Today, we're going to profile another common form of dock dysfunction, dirty dock. Have you ever cleaned up a nice mess of fish and then washed your wife's face in disgust when she sees your dirty dock as a result? It happens to all of us who are cleaning fish on old wooden fish cleaning tables that don't slope toward the water. You need dock enhancement. Killer dock fish cleaning stations are marine grade aluminum coated with a ceramic finish that makes cleaning your dirty dock a cinch. The scales and slime drain directly into the water through legs or through the slides. You choose the style. Check out the best fish cleaning stations known to mankind at killerdock.com. And brought to you by northalabama.org. Are you looking for a real adventure? Whether you're experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land the big one, North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight picturesque lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Wise, Smith, Needley Henry, Lake Gunnersville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on Plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brian Sin. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week, as always. It got hot again, man. We were fired up a few weeks ago. We could feel that little coolness in the air. Humidity might have been going down a little bit, but that has reversed this week. And we back in uh, middle of summer, it feels like, 95 degrees. And I'm sick of it. Guys, I am sick of it. I'm looking at the forecast, though, and relief is on the way. There may also be a tropical storm or hurricane on the way. But at least the cool weather is coming, so I'm fired up about that. Hey, guys, don't forget, if you're looking for hunting land, looking for recreational property, give me a call, 601-383-2344. I host a podcast, but I'm also a land agent for National Land Realty. So love to help you out. Find a property, sell a property, whichever one you got. So reach out if anything is on your mind like that, and and I'll help you. But hey, let's talk about fishing. And man, we're going to start today off. We're going to go south to Ufala with one of my favorite guys, Mr. Tony Adams. How are you, Mr. Tony? Doing great. Everybody doing okay? Man, everybody's doing good up here. just hot, brother. Well, they say, you know, tomorrow it's supposed to start cooling back off so that's all all good news i mean that that's going to get those crappy you know back up in some of that shallow water make them a whole lot easier to catch yeah you ain't kidding man well today i I know we had that little cool snap the water did start cooling off a little bit but now you know it got hot again did the fish like start coming a little shallower with the cool down and and then they moved back out with the heat up or are are they kind of just staying in a kind of a little holding pattern just waiting for the water temperature to get where they want it. Believe it or not, that water temperature down here last Saturday, Sunday was 82 degrees. With it being 82 degrees, I mean, we was catching, you know, crappy as shallow as, you know, 8, 10 foot. You know, so they, they have started coming back up in, in the shallow waters. There is still some, some crappy down in that 15, 20 foot of water, but, you know, they have started moving up. Yeah, the water temperature down here during the summer was, you know, 92, 93, you know, sometimes you even catch, you know, catch at 94. So these cooler days are, you know, and it's really turned on the bite, you know, really and truly down here. There's, I reckon there was what, two or three, four days that has got hotter, but I don't think it's going to heat up the water temperature enough. that's going to affect them a whole lot. And then, you know, the cool front's supposed to come back in tomorrow, start cooling back off. So, right. you know, maybe those three three or four days of heat really didn't heat that water up, but, you know, maybe a couple of degrees, but the bite has been really good down here, you know, the last several weeks with this, with this cooler weather. And the, and the fish you said have moved from that deeper water up to like that eight, 10 foot range. Yes, sir. We're seeing some in eight and 10 now, you know, pretty good schools, shads all over the place down here on Lake Ufala. But, you know, like I say, it's my understanding the water temperature did not get cool enough last year to kill off 
last year's shad. So we've got some shad from last year still left, left over. Plus we got this year's hatch. So we got twice as many shad on the lake we should, but you know, it's been good. It's the, all the fish is real healthy. You know, I think next year we'll, we'll probably have some real healthy fish because they don't have to go look for food. Those shad will just come to them, come right on the brush piles. Yeah. Hey, speaking of brush piles, you know, we, we talk to you a lot throughout the year, and, and sometimes you're in 15, 18 foot of water. Sometimes, you know, depending on time of year, you're in 5 to 10 foot of water. When you're putting out your brush tops, and I know you put out, you create a lot of habitat for these crappie. I'm assuming you're very strategic about making sure you have stuff in different depths for different times of the year. Yes, sir. Uh, what I do is I do many depths, and I do many different kinds of structure I put out. You know, I'll put Christmas trees, I'll do crepe myrtles, and I'll do bamboo, and I'll do, you know, big 16, 18-foot cedar trees. And I do it in different depths, and I do it, I don't do it around any recreation where people's tubes or jet skis or whatever. And I usually like to find some kind of natural timber that's already there, because usually there's already fish there, but even if it's not, you know, usually on points, uh, drop-offs, and you know, I'll do some in flats. The Bamboo, I'll usually use, you know, the, I do half of the water column. So if it's 20 foot, you know, I'll do those bamboos, you know, eight to 10 foot, you know, which turns out good. Usually if it's around the, you know, the banks and six to eight foot of water, a lot of times I'll use Christmas trees and I'll tie either concrete blocks or busty concrete to them. And instead of standing them up, I'll lay them down, you know, flat so that, you know, as that stuff right. starts deteriorating. It will be laying flat. Those crappy will still get around it. You know, the big cedar trees, you know, is a little different, you know, because they're pretty good size and diameter. You know, they may be eight, 10 foot tall. You know, I'll take them to 20 foot waters. And then, you know, I do a few, you know, for the spawn. A lot, I don't do a whole lot for the spawn because they're just all over the place. You know, they're around the rocks, around the grass, around the docks, you know, so I don't have to do a whole lot there. Just, just work the banks and find them. But, you know, the pre-spawn, and then after they finish spawning, they'll usually hit the first pile of structure they come to and sit on it for a while, you know, before they move on out. But, yeah, I, I like to do do some in, you know, 8 to 10 foot of water, you know, and then I'll do some in 12 to 15, and then I'll do some in, you know, from 15 to 20 foot of water. That makes total sense. And, and I could see it where if you had a really, you know, a really good ledge that you found uh, in the right location, you may go down that ledge and you may – you may drop a pile in the in the eight foot water, and then you know twenty feet away, thirty feet away, where it continues to drop down into eighteen foot of water. You may put another pile there. Do you, you kind of do that on the same point sometimes? Yeah, on the flats, you know, I may get it where that point's coming in. Maybe it's let's just say if it's twenty twenty five foot and it comes up to a point, and it comes up to you know it may come up all the way to five foot. You know, I may come off that five foot, come down there about eight eight to 10 foot deep off that point and put a pile. And then I may go out, like you say, 20, 30, 40 feet where you still got a ledge on one side, but it, it's like a ditch and I'll put it in the ditch kind of off the ledge, but in the same ditch. That's making any sense. Absolutely. Well, what are you right now on you fall? I mean, are you, you know, you've said they've moved up and you're catching them a little bit shallower than that. 10 foot range are you still mainly jig fishing a little bit of both shiners jigs yeah i'm doing a little bit of combination of both i'm probably doing more minnows now than i than i was jigs and like i say you know you can do it several ways the last several trips i've had we just we pull up there and you know we turn the mega on you know you see the fish there you you don't have to sit there and look at the at the mega live you can if you want to you can pick them off you know like playing a video game but at least you know they're there you know how deep they are and you you know you can fish three poles with minnows you know if they're eight foot deep fish eight foot deep and you know or you can sit there with just one rod and you know play with them with the with a mega live but either way you can catch them but the fish is the last several last two or three weeks has been a lot more active so not only are they on that that structure they're away from the structure you'll see them dart out of that structure you know eight ten foot deep and they may come hit a minnow that's you know that's just dropped in the water that's five six foot deep so they're getting a lot more aggressive 
which, you know, they're, they're doing that because they know winter's just right around the corner. So they're, they're trying to eat as much as they can to, to build up that, that fat for the winter time. Absolutely. Yeah. That's good stuff. Yeah. yeah and that's one thing I was curious about and you answered a little of it right then, but you know, I've always wondered when do you go, you know what, let's go to shiners or Hey, let's go to jigs. I mean, when you, when you set out that day, how, how do you determine which one's going to work the best? I mean, obviously trial and error. I mean, you, you know, if you're fishing jigs and they're not hitting and you, you put a shiner on and start catching fish, well, that's a pretty good determination of which way you need to be fishing. But as a, you know, when you go out on the lake that day or certain times of the year, what makes that determining factor to you? Well, you know, when I, when I go out, you know, unless I've got clients that all they want to do is jig fish, then, you know, I'm going to always have my jig boxes and I'm going to have, always have men in the boat. I mean, you know, 99% of the time I'm going to have both. Right. Uh, because most people who wants to go catch fish, the ones that, you know, just wants to go jig fishing. Sometimes you wonder if, if you had minnows on the boat, you know, would, I'm sure you would have caught more fish, you know, more than likely. But usually when you do your trips and you're doing two and three and four a week, you kind of know when they really want that jig, you know what I'm saying? Because there's mm-hmm. certain times of the year they're, they're, it really doesn't matter if it's a men or a jig. They can, you know, Bite. they're aggressive, they're, they're hungry, they're biting. You know, kind of like after the spawn, you know, even during the spawn, you know, that's all I fish with is jigs. You know, I take my jig and, you know, I may throw it to the bank, reel it real slow, or I may put, you know, a little cork on it and twitch it back. And then right after the spawn, you know, they're the same way. I mean, they spend all the energy of their spawning, you know, they're hungry, you know what I'm saying, where they've been just around the banks for so long. Then after they move back to that deeper water, you know, I tell a lot of clients, I said, when they, when they come off that spawn down here, I mean, you know, I think they probably hit a cigarette, but if you threw it to them, you know, right. they're, they're just, they're hungry. You know, they just got so, so skinny and they're so hungry. And then as it gets a little hotter, the bite starts slowing down. And then, you know, this time of the year, the bite really starts picking up because, you know, they know, you know, it's cooler days. They're trying to feed up wintertime, you know, down here, the fish ain't as active as they are other times of the year. I reckon the water cools off and they're just sitting by, you know, a tree or, you know, bamboo or whatever. And they're just sitting there. They're not as aggressive as they are now where they come out of that brush pile and go up four or five feet to hit a minute. You know I mean? It's kind of, you almost have to put it in their face in order to, for them to use that energy up, you know, I reckon that they got stored, you know, for the winter time. So the more you can do it, the more you'll know when, when the jig bites really good. But like I say, most of my clients, you know, when we go, we've got minnows and jigs. It may be a grandfather, a father, and a son. You know, the son may want to throw jigs because you know the new generations they right. like that activity all the time. Which, when I grew up and went with my granddad, and my dad, I mean, we minnow fished. I mean, we just sat there and watched the you know tip of the rod or the cork, and right. that's the way you know, we fished for them, but a lot more of the new generation is, is like that. They just got to be going. That's right. Moving quick. Yeah. When you're putting a minnow on the hook, how do you hook them? What I do is I go through the bottom lip out the top lip. And I don't know if there's a right way and a wrong way because, but that's the way my granddad showed me how to bait them in on a hook. But, you know, I've seen people hook them through the eyes, through the tail, you know, just all yep. kinds of ways, and it works. But my best luck is hook them through the bottom lip, out the top lip. That way you get a lot more action. It keeps that minnow, you know, alive a lot longer than I've seen. You know, but, you know, people hook them through the eyes, you know, they catch fish too. So I, I, there's really not a right way and wrong way, but I like to hook through the bottom lip, out the top lip. That's the way I've always done it too. But I know there's other techniques. I've seen other people do it other ways. So I, I was just wondering which one you prefer. What I'm really trying to figure out, and and the question I really have to ask is, you just sent me some more pictures. I just want to know why you catch more crappie than anybody else. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I mean, you, you just do, Tony. You catch more than anybody yeah. else. Several people ask me that, and you know, <laughs> I spent I spent a lot of time in January and February 
out there on the lake putting structure out, building spots up, you know, spending, doing my homework so that when it is time, you know, I've got places. I mean, I, you know, don't matter, you know, if the wind's out of the east, I've got places on the east banks so I can get out of the wind. If it's out of the west, i got places on the west side of the bank, which is the Alabama side. You know, if it's out of the north, then I've got places in creeks or, you know, maybe south of the railroad trust of the causeway that I can get out of the wind. So, you know, I have to play, have places to go no matter which way that wind's blowing so that you don't get beat to get death, you know, with seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, 12 mile an hour winds. Right. So when people ask me that, I think it's because of a lot of the stuff that I do to prep myself to fish year round for them. Well, and I was going to say that and, and, and I kind of, in my mind, I kind of had an idea why and, and because it's, you know, you've sent me pictures over these last couple of years when it was that time of year and, and you were putting out structure and, and guys, let me tell you, it's no accident. And, it, you know, Tony works extremely hard at it and, and the stuff that he's putting out, uh, I mean, is, is pretty remarkable and impressive. He's not just grabbing a few Christmas trees and throwing out. I mean, he's, he's got some, some great techniques, you know, and, and puts all different sizes out. I mean, you got it, you got you a, don't you have like a barge type, not a barge, but you know, a, a, you know, we, a we'll pontoon a boat pontoon type boat barge and, and fill that sucker up. So there's a lot of prep work and there's a lot of work, physical work that, that you do early in the year so that, like you said, no matter what depth they're at, no matter what wind direction you have, you're always going to have some options to go to and find fish. And so uh, a big part of it comes down to the, the effort that you put in it. But uh, you catch them. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, that's for sure. Like I say, it's, it, it is work. A lot of people, you know, when somebody comes and goes with me, I want them to be satisfied. I want them to catch fish. You know, some of those guys is having fish fries. A lot of people don't keep, you know, the limit. They don't want but 30, 40, you know, just enough to clean and cook when they get to the house or whatever. But, you know, there's there's some people that wants to try to keep the limit. They're going to have a fish fry at the church or, right. you know, fish fry. You know, at a, at a gather and family reunion, and and really, truly, it's it's memories being made that will never be forgotten. You know, I mean, I've I've gone to several funerals, and you know, some of the pictures that people's gone with me. I mean, that's that's one of the big big things that's on the screen. Is you know, so it must have been a really enjoyable trip if if they you know if that's a memory that they they use there. That's right. Hey, and and you know, and and. You know, I know we've talked about this a little in the past too, but I mean, you put all the structure out, you do all this work and you take people fishing, right? Well, once you put that structure in the water, it's the lakes, it's not yours. And you're, you know that and you're okay with that. And you won't, you know, you take somebody on a guided trip and there's nothing to say that they won't be back there uh, the next time you go. Right. But that's just part of it. And, um, you know, you want people to catch fish and that's one reason you take them is to teach them and for them to have a good time. So it's all good stuff, man. Well, look, if somebody was coming to you follow this weekend to catch cropping, what's the tip of the day? Well, you know, I would, I would say with the weather being as cool it is, you know, check out some of that shallow structure, you know, some of that eight to 10 foot of water, you know, if it's got structure on it, I mean, take the time out to look at those spots and you should be able to dream it out. Yeah, and if you got some really good electronics and you guys, if you're going this weekend, you find some of those spots and you've got really good electronics, zoom that thing in on that top down there and Tony's got his name on it. He put <laughs> and and so you know you gotta <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. You know, like that. you fall, you find that big old structure, make sure you just take a picture of the coordinates and send them to me. <laughs> absolutely absolutely all right buddy well we appreciate it man hey if somebody wants to to come be a part of one of your trips and man you can send me a picture with them on it you know with a tailgate full of crappie or what's the best way for them to contact you uh best way they can look me up on facebook you know tony adams lake Ufala, or either you know that's lake Ufala, alabama or either, you know, they can call me on my cell, 334-695-3003. Good stuff. Y'all give Tony a call. Hey, look, it's, uh, he books up a long time in advance, so I would suggest that you call him and book a trip with him and get on his calendar now. 
Um, don't wait too long or there may not be any spots available. And, and there's a reason for that. If you go with him, you're going to, you're going to have a crappie trip of your life. Uh, so reach out, call Tony. Hey man, Tony, we appreciate it, brother. As always love you being part of this show and sharing, being open to share with us. So stay safe out there and we'll talk to you next time, brother. Okay. Y'all have a good weekend. Appreciate it. Same to you. All right, guys, let's take a couple minutes and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Outdoor Alabama. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources. And brought to you by MB Ranch King. MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. With durability and convenience in mind, MB Ranch King's maintenance-free blinds are built and constructed with high-grade steel and come in a variety of sizes to meet any hunter's needs. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Are you frustrated by your typical hunting and fishing magazines? Are you tired of reading content meant for guys up north or in the Midwest? Don't get left behind following the guidance of guys who don't hunt and fish in your home state. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Great first segment with Tony. And uh, I was for real. I don't think anybody catches more crappie than that dude around. He, he especially down that way in Eufaula. I mean, we've got some other great crappie fishermen that call into the show. Uh, Neely Henry and Weiss and with Lee and then Brad Whitehead up at Pickwick and Gunnersville. All those guys catch tremendous amount of fish. But, but Tony is definitely the guy south in Eufaula. So give him a call and uh book a trip with him all right let's get to our next segment guys and that is gonna be with my good buddy norman latona with southeastern pond management what's going on my friend hey brian how are you buddy i'm doing good norman doing good ready for it to cool back off man i'm, I'm ready for fall me too me too it gave us a little bit of a taste of it for a couple of days and now it's turned back into summer hasn't it little teaser man little teaser but it is supposed to it is supposed to cool back off. I think the the next front's coming through tomorrow, so so maybe it'll be the the real deal this time and stick around a little while, and maybe it'll actually turn into fall. Yeah, I hope so. I'm ready for it myself. I, I am too. Well, hey, speaking of fall, I know that we we've ta- we touched on this a little bit in the past on on the, on our management minute segment, and one thing that you guys have kind of gotten into over the last several years and it's becoming a much bigger thing the way i understand it through talking with you is stocking rainbow trout in your bass lakes yeah you know it 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 has you're right it's turned into a big deal i guess we've been doing this for a better part of a dozen years but every year it gets bigger and bigger more more folks find out about it and uh our resources have grown in terms of access to really quality trout, in some cases, big trout. I mean, when I say big trout, sometimes we stock them upwards of five, six, seven pounds, and for the majority of the time, we stock them smaller. You get a little more bang for your buck uh, when you stock them smaller in terms of numbers, but uh, it's a hoot, man. Folks really seem to enjoy it, and, uh, you know, obviously trout, the rainbow trout are not suited to live year-round in the warm waters and ponds in the southeastern United States, they won't tolerate water that stays in the 70s for very long at all. But the the reality is, uh, beginning in around the middle part of November, typically, certainly by the end of November, uh, our water temps have dipped down into the 60s or less or lower, and they they're not going to be above 
uh, 70 for any period of time, any length of time until April or May. Uh, you know, sometimes it's even in the May. So you've got the entire winter, you know, December, January, February, uh, and into uh, March and April the following year to, to grow trout. And these things are conditioned to grow in ponds. That's where they're raised, these trout. Uh, they're, they're, they're trained to eat pellets. Uh, from a very young age, from early on in their lives. So they're ready to go and use the same feeders that you feed your brim with. And uh, some of our customers add a little richer uh, ration, use a what we call a trout chow and a little higher protein. And those jokers will eat that stuff and they'll grow. Uh, you know, we don't. it's not unusual at all to see trout that we stock at a pound or roughly a pound a piece by by the time you get into the late winter and early spring, those things are two two pounds plus, sometimes even bigger. Wow, they grow that quick. They grow really rapidly on that super high protein, 50% plus protein food. But the best thing about them, in my opinion, is that they're they are the they're the bass of the winter. In other words, you know, we get excited about bass fishing when the water starts to warm up in the spring, even though obviously you can catch bass year-round. Fish get more active in the springtime as the water warms up. They get toward their spawning time, and um, you know you get to fishing for them more. And typically, they're more more active, a little more success angling for bass. Well, trout are or that way in the wintertime. So it really just opens up a whole new opportunity to fish in your pond during the cold weather months. Not to say you can't still catch bass and brim and other fish, but Trout behave in the wintertime like bass and brim do in the spring. spring Absolutely. And they fight like crazy, and they, they're very active, and they're typically pretty easy to catch, particularly if if you're feeding them and kind of bringing them into an area routinely. And they're fantastic to eat. And these trout in the wintertime coming out of these cold water ponds are just just outstanding to eat. Oh, I'm sure. Got them and stuff them and stuck them on the grill hole and you know do what do what you want with them but they're they're really really good to eat and um a whole so lot if these if the fish are you know these fish like you said they're raised in ponds they're trained to eat food but when you're fishing for them i mean they'll still eat they're an optim opportunistic fish so i mean if if you if you're fishing with a fly uh with a fly rod Will they still eat those kind of things too, or are they so conditioned to, to the feed that they just, I mean, what, what do you catch them on? Yeah, they're, they're definitely aggressive feeders. And to be honest, the pelleted fish food to me, and not just with trout, but all fish, fish that, fish that train to eat or, or train to eat pellets, I think in their minds, anything that hits the water is fair game. I mean, they're used to whatever hits the surface is going to get their attention. They're going to swim to it, and if they can eat it, they're going to eat it. And yeah, so, if anything, it makes them more aggressive. And absolutely, we have folks that fly fish for them, catch them on flies, catch them on dry flies, catch them on little jigs and spinner baits and small crank baits, and you know, heck, even even rattle traps and worms. And you know, they're 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 pretty aggressive. They're as you said, they're opportunistic feeders. The good thing is uh, they don't really tax your forage base terribly. Certainly, they'll eat shad. They'll probably eat some bluegill. But when you feed them, they're so accustomed to, to that free meal. They've just been, they've grown up that way. And they tend to stay on that fish food pretty pretty, pretty hard, you know, especially during the, the cold weather months, you know. And, and they don't have near as much competition for the food because the brim, the bluegill tend to, to kind of get off of the, the feeding program, especially when it gets really cold and the trout just kind of ramp up. So, um, but they're 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 typically pretty easy to catch. I mean, they can be crafty. I would say I've done a whole lot of trout fishing, wild trout fishing. But you know, those things are kind of cagey, and um, I think they're a little easier to trick than than you know your your typical wild river trout. Sure. But uh, but they can be a little cagey at times. But it's it's fishing like any anything else. But they they are not difficult to 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 catch. You know, they're a whole heck of a lot of fun. They they fight like crazy. I'm 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 amazed at, you know, especially on light tackle. You know, I like to catch them on 
spin and tackle, you know, six and eight pound test. And I mean, they will, they will put on the show, you know, they that's get awesome. Well, I know our old buddy, uh, we got, you know, a mutual friend of ours, Philip Pitts with Pitts Media. I think y'all put some in his lake down uh, his place. What is it? Union Springs down that way? Making We have done that. He was in a club down there. I know Philip was, and he's got a, he's got some property up around Chelsea, and I think we, we've stocked him there, too. Um, oh, he loves it, man. He he loves it. He, he's like, it's so much fun and so mm-hmm, cool to mm-hmm. be able to go out to your pond and catch catch these rainbow trout in the winter it's just it's and the kids his kids love it i've caught trout and have pictures even that i thought it you know got a kick out of it when it was our occasional snow that we get down here you know that everybody goes crazy over and you know all my my buddies from up north and friends over the years and uh get a kick out of sending them a picture of me holding a rainbow trout and with snow in the background <laughs> yeah. and telling them i'm i'm in alabama and yeah. uh that's awesome. Yeah, they they're they're a lot of fun. We we stop we t- we try to get them in uh, before Thanksgiving. We have so many customers that like to spend the holidays, whether it's whether it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or or both, or you know all the way through New Year's on their farms and hunting and and relaxing and spending family time. And so we try to get we try to get them stocked before Thanksgiving uh, in, in as many lakes as we can. And uh, it doesn't take but a few days for them to kind of acclimate and, and be catchable, and especially if you got your feeders running. And yeah. uh, so folks seem to get a real kick out of them over the holidays. Absolutely. Well, I know that, you know, we, we, we hear about these, you know, places out in California that where the world record bass comes from, and they catch these 18, 20 pounds. And, and that's what they eat is rainbow trout, right? So it's obviously a great forage fish for for giant largemouth you've got a lot of bass ponds that you manage that do this what size do you what's like the minimum size that you can stock in a trout where mm. he, he's instead of getting eaten he's growing and we can eat him right yeah and that yeah, that's a good point trout are uh, they don't have hard spines they're they're long and slender kind of bullet shaped and and they're perfect to you know, a bass, as you know, if he if he can get his mouth around it, he he he, he can swallow it, and so, you know, uh, bass will certainly eat them. But we found that it, it, as long as you stock trout that are three quarters of a pound a pound, you know, ten, twelve, fourteen inch trout, we we have them bigger than that, and we can get them bigger than that. We, but as long as you stock them that size, they're pretty predator proof. I'm not going to say. A big bass won't grab one or two of them, but uh, for the most part, they seem to do just fine. But we do stock, we kind of stock two different sizes. We call them our, our our smalls and larges, and smalls are anywhere from three quarters up to about a pound and a quarter. And then the larges range all the way from you know, three or four pounds up to six, seven, eight pounds. And the cost is essentially the same in terms of per pound, uh, but obviously, you know, you get five trout. Uh, five one pound trout for one five pound trout. So right. most of the time, folks will opt for the smaller fish and grow them themselves, and maybe stock a few of the larges in there. We we do have some customers over the years that have stocked eight and nine pound trout. I think we had a customer one time catch one that weighed close to eleven pounds. I'm, oh my gosh! I'm sure it was a state record, although that wouldn't be a legitimate record. But right. uh, but yeah, they they grow. I, Years ago, uh, and occasionally we can get brown trout as well. Uh, we we tend to stay more with rainbow trout, but uh, there's a one of my kids caught a, a brown brown trout that's maybe seven or eight pounds years and years ago. Actually, got it mounted for him, and so it's it's a lot of fun. And catching a a three or four pound trout in Alabama uh, is pretty rare. Uh, yeah. Even the few spots where they 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 live uh but but not in ponds the way that we do it it's uh yeah that's really cool that's really cool and so you know you you know you stock them before thanksgiving let's say you stock it at a pound and like you said in a couple months they'll be at two pounds i mean you know by the time the water get temperature gets so hot that they can't survive i mean these things could the the one pounders could be four pounders by that time right 
Yeah, they, they, they grow pretty rapidly. They, they really do. And a lot of that has to do with how much feeding sure. you're doing. But you know, you're, you, if you're pouring that high-protein ration into to them, you know, that 50%-plus protein feed, and, and they're getting the majority of it. The other fish don't really eat much that time of the year. Uh, it's, it's remarkable how, how, how fast they'll grow. We've seen some that just, you know, just kind of explode and grow several pounds. I, and, and we stock them at different rates. You know, uh, folks always say, well, how many do I need? Right. And, you know, really, nice question. Yeah. And it, it just depends. You got to understand you're, you're not trying to populate the lake, you know, in per- perpetuity with trout. So we're, we're going to stock these things and we're going to feed them. And we're going to kind of keep them in an area for the most part. But they're going to stay around those feeders. They're going to stay around those piers where the feeders are located for the most part. I mean, they'll certainly swim around and catch them in other places. But so we found anywhere from 10, 15 pounds per acre on a larger lake, you know, something that's, that's you know, 20, 30 acres, you know, you put in several hundred pounds, four or 500 pounds maybe. Uh, but on smaller lakes, we try to stock them a little higher stocking rate, um, just because, you know, it's affordable. And so we'll stock them up to even 30 pounds to the acre. You know, you get a five-acre lake, put 150 pounds of trout in there, the majority of them being right around a pound. That's that's quite a few fish. That's a lot. And there yeah. are some cases where you stock them at a higher rate. A lot of it has to do with, with uh, you know, how many of them you plan to keep, take out, and eat. Sure. Um, we have folks that do that a lot, that, that really enjoy eating them. And also it has to do with, you know, how many – how much are you going to fish for them? I mean, you know, to a point, the more you put, the more, the, the better the fishing will be. So, but also obviously the, the higher the cost, but we, we routinely stock them, you know, that 20 to 30 pounds per acre range. How, uh, ex- uh, how expensive is it? Uh, it's, it's not terrible. I mean, trout, it, it's, it's really a food, it, it's a food market, you know? And so the cost of, of trout, primarily trout to raised for food fish, um, you know, these fish are grown up to market size and then, you know, processed. They're not huge around this part of the country in the southeast, but other parts of the country, they are big. But it, it just depends. I mean, the, the, the smalls, that one to pound, a pound and a half fish, you know, they're going to run somewhere in the seven, eight, nine dollars a pound range. You know, be quite honest with you, it, it's, it's kind of a fluctuating market like everything else. Right. You know cost is up on most things right now so we haven't really locked in what our cost is going to be this year but but it's it's going to be somewhere in that range and which is about what you can buy them processed and ready to to cook you know they're just it's kind of a food fish type pricing and we just happen to catch them you know get them alive uh, we're buying them from the growers that are mainly processing or sending them out to processors and then the the larges that we get are, are typically broodstock that they're that they're cycling through. Sometimes we can get them a little bit cheaper per pound because there's not as much of a food market for those. Right. And these growers have to they have to cycle their brood every now and then as these fish get older. They're not as efficient. You know, they eat so much and they so uh so that's really where where the bigger fish come from. They're they're brood fish that they're cycling out to replace with smaller younger fish. You know, it's a put-and-take type application, but uh, kind of the way we do with catfish, to be honest. It's just that these don't live year-round, so it's kind of a seasonal deal. And you come in there and catch what you catch, and then, you know, if you want to if you enjoy it, you, you do it again next fall. Man, how much fun. I mean, that's just so cool that you that you guys do that. And, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of people probably that know that that's an option. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. The more that find out, the more that are probably going to do it. Because like you said, man, how cool is that? Have all the family in for Thanksgiving, for Christmas. Take your fly rod, your lightweight spinning reel. Go out there and, and, and catch a mess of, of rainbows to enjoy catching and, and, and maybe throw some on the grill as well. So it's a really cool thing that you guys do. And uh, like I said, I know it's, I know y'all been doing it a little while, but it's definitely growing and more and more people are doing it because they realize the fun factor involved in that. Right. And that's, uh, that's part of the joys of owning a lake is the fun. It is. And we, I would say, you can safely say, I mean, we stock 
more pounds of them every year. I mean, we, we really do. And it gets to the point where we tell folks, hey, get you, get your orders in. I mean, we can always get them to fish, but most folks, you know, the vast majority really want them as early as they can get them because there's a, a finite time that, that they're going to live. Sure. And, and also, like I said, the, the holiday is such a popular time. So we tell folks, get your order in and we'll do our, our, our best to get them stocked by Thanksgiving or a little ahead of then even. Well, that's exciting stuff, man. Well, Norman, if somebody wants to talk to you about stocking some rainbow trout or any of the other pond management areas that they may be interested in, what's the best way for them to contact you? You know, they can call me directly, Brian. I, that's a great way to get me. You could call or text message me at 205-288-1371. Like I said, leave me a a text, shoot me a text if I don't pick up maybe. And, and, uh, otherwise certainly go on online, go on the web at sepond.com. And there's plenty of ways to, to run us down through our website. That's awesome. Guys, get your order in now. Thanksgiving's right around the corner. You know, you got family coming in, go ahead and call Norman, get on the list. So when this temperature gets right, this water temperature gets right, you will already be on the list and can get your order. Norman, we appreciate it, buddy. Thank you, and uh, always love having you on here. Always interesting. And uh, look forward to having you again soon, brother. Okay, man. Hey, thank you, Brian. Take care, Yes, buddy. sir. Take care. All right, guys. Let's take a few more minutes and hear from some more of this week's sponsors. All right, guys. Great segment. Let's take a few moments and hear from some of this week's sponsors. Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services. And now they have a pro level tackle store. Boat and motor trade ins are welcome. Visit them online at bucksislands.com or give them a call at 256 442 2588. And brought to you by Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro Series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonis 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Always love having Norman with Southeastern Pond Management on here. Y'all give Norman a call if you've got the questions about stocking those rainbow trout or any other questions you may have. He's a good, good dude, and they uh, they know what they're doing, man, so he'll do a great job. Hey, let's get to our third segment today, and let's go down to the Coosa River. And, man, let's talk about striped bass fishing with our buddy, Captain David Hare. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. How about you, Brian? Man, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'll be doing better after this cold front comes through tomorrow. Everybody's mad about the heat, but uh, I think relief's in sight. We're going to make it. It is. Before we go any further, let me correct you a little bit. We're on the Tallapoosa, not the Coosa. I don't know why I said that. I know where you are, and I just totally <laughs> messed that up. Well, yeah. well, you think you thinking about your anniversary today? Instead about fishing. Uh, there you go, man. I mean, I'm looking at the clock. I got a date night dinner, 15 year anniversary today, and uh, if I'm still down here trying to do a podcast, me and you both may end up in trouble, David. That's right. That's right. We don't want she'll that. Find, she'll find somebody else take her out there. Yeah, don't think it's a little blonde headed woman can't get mad around here. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, uh everything uh has been tough here for several weeks, but uh but it, it finally turned around this week. It's been a lot of fun all week long. We're gonna uh, actually start back running trips there. I've been I've been rescheduling everybody and postponing folks uh, for about four weeks now because the bite had just been so tough. But it's been on this week, 
uh, we we catching a lot of stripers, and we're catching them on top, which is about as fun as it gets. Oh man, that would be fun. That's the way to do oh, it, yeah. right there. So, what do you think, Cause is, is that normal in the summer when it's real hot? Is for the bite to slow down like that? It, it is. the The water temp had gotten up to about ninety two when it started, and the and the lake turned over. And uh, once it turned over, I mean it it just shut the bite down, and it takes several weeks usually for it to sort of settle down and get back to going again. Yeah, and I talked to one of our bass guys a couple of weeks ago about the about it, the water turning over down there, and and he mentioned he thought there was a a striped off. Did you hear that? Do you no. know of that? Did that happen? No. Okay. We, in fact, we probably lost less stripes this time than we ever do. But but every year when the lake turns over, you're going to lose a few stripes. And when I say a few, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't think we lost over 50 this year. <laughs> wow. Uh, just, and, and I was out on the lake, you know, every day during it. But when you say a kill-off, I mean, you'd be able, there's so many stripes in this lake, you'd be able to walk across the lake on top of them if, if they died, you know? Uh, right, right. And, and what happens is, you know, the weaker ones, they just don't survive. And... You know, we saw some pretty ones floating this year, but we didn't see as many as we normally do every year. That's good. So that's a normal thing. That happens every year. The lake going to turn over, and you lose a few, but, hey, that's, you know, that that's uh, encouraging for the rest of this year and for next year if, if you didn't lose as many as normal. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. If you saw all these huge schools that we've been on this week, You'd think that the turnover produced more fish instead of killing any. Uh, I mean, we've been on some huge schools. Now, what do you call a huge school? Like, is that like 12 or is that like 100? Oh, God, gosh, no, no, hundreds. <laughs> hundreds? Hundreds, yes. And we've just been out scouting, you know, uh, getting ready for these. You know, so we can tell our clients, hey, it's time, come on, you know. And Right. Uh, just like today, and not just one time, several different times when I'd get a hookup and, and get it to the boat, I mean, there'd be 15 or 20 stripers facing that striper that was hooked up all the way to the boat. Wow. If I'd had, if I'd had a boatload of folks in the boat today, there's no telling how many hookups we could have got. When you're talking about top water and, and catching them, I mean, you fishing like a spook? Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. A spook, you know, but anything that'll stay on top and uh, just making a lot of racket and splashing it around. And then then when they go down, uh, I'd look, look on my screen to see if they left or if they just went down. Sometimes they'd go down and leave and pop up somewhere else. Sometimes they'd go down and stay up under your boat and come back up right at the same spot then a little while later you might have to run a quarter of a mile you know to get on another school when you're looking at at a school uh, this time of year when you're catching them on top water like this how deep are those fish below the surface when you're fishing for uh i mean they're uh they're on top oh they're already there uh, oh yeah yeah they i mean that's how we find them so when they when they bust the top uh, now, when they go down, like today, uh, I call it a blackout on my screen. It was basically, you know, for probably the top 40 feet was just solid with fish. Good gracious. Then one time I was on a school of fish, and I looked to see what kind of water depth I was in, and I was in 112 foot of water, and they were up on top. Good night. Yeah. What about the size? You got some good ones, when, good size this time of year? No. I think once they start hitting the live bait again, yes, we, we'll be on some really good heavy fish. These fish that we're catching on top are two to ten pounds, which are still good fish, but, you know, not, you know, it's not your big trophy fish. Hey, a 10-pound fish, you know, when you got schools that big and, and you're fishing top water. Oh, how fun sure. is that? I mean, dang. 
Yeah, that's as fun as it gets. I mean, I know everybody wants to catch that 30, 25, 30-pound 30 fish, but, man, you, you, you can't beat a day like that on top water. I, I'm so excited. I, I love doing it like this. It's just it's a fun way to catch fish and just to see that many, you know, together just come up uh, oh. and, and just keep coming up, you know, school after school after school. Because these fish have all been in the deep water. I mean, they've been in really deep water. They have. And this, with this cool off that we've got and water's cooled down a little bit, bait fish coming up, I'm assuming that's why they're coming up. Whether you hook up a striper or hook up a bass, uh, they're both fitting up the same bait. And it's so small, I can't tell if it's a new hatch of herring or if it's a new hatch of shad. I mean, it's... It, it, some of that bait's not as long as my little fingernail. I mean, it's little bitty stuff. I can't even what? tell what kind of bait it is. Yes. And the bass thing to be coming up a little shallow, you know, a little closer to the bank, and the stripers are coming more up, coming up more out in the middle. And then sometimes you'll be in a school that's got them both in there, bass and stripe. But I was on several schools the last two or three days that was just all pure strike you know but the bass we're catching i'm not saying they're huge bass but every now and then you know we hook up and get one in that go two pounds you know which is good for spotted bass on lake martin yeah fat they're fat as a football they are feeding yeah sounds like there's plenty of bait in the water mm-hmm. very much so and and you'll go to you know i've covered a lot of water you know, the last several weeks, and uh, we didn't have any problems finding fish. Pretty much every day we could find fish. They just, they weren't interested in eating, but, buddy, they're interested in it now, but it's on top. Now, now the deeper fish, the, the fish that are schooled together and not coming up, we can't make them hit. Is that where you think your bigger fish are? Yeah. I'm not saying they're in deeper water. They're just down deep and just, they're just not feeding yet. Yeah. So, you know, moving forward through, like, well, like we said, we, we know we got a cool front coming through tomorrow. <clears throat> We're going to get a change in temperature and that water temperature is going to continue to cool. So, kind of where do you like to see that water temperature get, you know, to, to get those bigger fish uh, and to get the rest of those schools to start moving up? Uh, well, you know, in the springtime, we always say, or the great big 30, 40, 50 pound fish is 62 degrees. But, but in the, you know, this time of year, you know, if we can get it down to 80 and anything below it, it'll be on fire. Man, what is it right now? Mid 80s? Yeah, it had gotten down to 81. Today it, it got up to about 83. Yeah. Hey, you won't take but a couple of good cooler days and cool nights and it'll be on, man. Oh yeah, that's right. I hope this all this wind and cold front and all don't you know knock these topwater fish off for a day or two. But I think they'll still be hitting on top. But if we if we have a lot of ripple on the water, it's gonna be tough to see them. You know, it'll be hard to see them and find them, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Do you like fishing top water when it's like a, a calm day, or do you like a little little ripple at least? A little ripple, like today, if you if you uh, let yourself get in real slick, like glass top water, you better be moving and finding something that had, you know, that had a little more ripple on it. Right. Uh, because in that real slick water, it, it wasn't happening. That's cool, man. Hey, well, this sounds like it's an exciting time uh, going into the fall. And, and man, right now, it sounds like y'all are, are having a, had a good week and uh and it's only gonna get better you know that so oh man. yeah 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 it's from here on from here on out it'll just be better and better what's your favorite time of the year david i used to say springtime you know the, uh and it still is to get a great big trophy fish but it is it's hard to beat november december and january because it's just one fish after another and it's like that every day and i and that's and do they stay on top water that time of year or is that more live bait 
that, it'll be more live bait or spooning, jigging a spoon and and stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying that won't something uh, come up on top, but no, you just find schools that some days you think you're sitting on a thousand fish and, and you just lock the trolling motor down and they never leave. I mean, I, there's a lot of days in those months that I ask the clients, uh, we'd be catching one fish behind another. And I say, now, if y'all getting bored with this spot, we'll, we'll reel up and go find another school. <laughs> I said, no, we're not bored. Ain't I nobody said, bored. Be, yeah. I thought you might be tired of looking at the same old thing, but, uh, but, it, but yeah, those, those months, it's hard to have more, much more fun than that. Yeah, man. That's awesome. Well, Hey, I'm glad it's turned on for you, brother. I know you're ready to get back out there and get after it. And, uh, book those trips again if somebody wants to be part of that and book a trip with you what's the best way for them to get in touch with you best way to get me is shoot me a text or give me a call at 256-401-3089 and uh you can always you know google me or uh pull me up on facebook Elliott city guys service and get that number and get a hold of me or shoot me an email but best way to get me is either text or call me good deal hey guys it sounds like it's an exciting time right now in the in the stripe world uh so give captain david a call or, or reach out to him and book a trip hey hey captain david uh my wife has not stuck her head around the corner so i think me and you're gonna be safe this afternoon man we'll get this thing wrapped up and uh, i might get her to dinner and keep us out of the doghouse that, there you go. We'll, we'll go spend at least two weeks' payday on, on a big, fine anniversary supper tonight. That's about right, ain't it? That's about <laughs> yeah, right. All yeah, right, buddy. As always, I appreciate you, man. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you soon. Nice talking with you. Have a good week. You too. All right, guys. Let's take a couple more minutes and hear from a few more of this week's sponsors. This week's episode is brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the Southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before. And if you're interested in building a new pond or lake, give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you. If you're anywhere in the Southeast, schedule an obligation-free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com. Hey, guys, that's going to be a wrap for the show today. Stay safe out there. Be sure and enjoy some beautiful lakes and rivers that we are blessed with. Man, God has shined on Alabama. And don't, man, this time of year can't be a better time to get out and enjoy the, the, the outdoors than right now. So take advantage of it. Get out there and enjoy it. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, leave us a review wherever you listen. And if you'd like us to email you the podcast, just text the word fishing to 314-665-1767. And we'll email you the show each and every week. Stay safe, guys. Talk to y'all next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by AFCO. Family owned and operated, AFCO fishing apparel and tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements. Visit AFCO.com for on the water performance gear. And brought to you by Hilton's Real Time Navigator, bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, altimetry, currents, and watercolor at Hilton'sOffshore.com. And by Fish Bites, ready to go when you are, regardless of when you're ready to go fishing. This bait stays on the hook and the fish stay on the bait. Check them out, fishbites.com. And brought to you by United Bank. 
United Bank supports our farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness. Learn more at unitedbank.com, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. And by LM Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats, pontoons, as well as bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. Go visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251-937-1380. And brought to you by Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has delivered the finest quality fish and game feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com. And brought to you by Baker's Metalworks and DC Supply. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply manufacture a variety of metal roofing systems to meet your needs. Whether you are putting a new roof on your home or sheeting a commercial building, they have you covered. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. <laughs> 